Welcome back to Sister Ellie Cast Tea, where we talk about all things church related. And guess what, guys? We will not be talking about the deconstruction of the church. As a matter of fact, the Lord is leading me in a different direction. Yes, we will not be talking about the deconstruction of the church today. What will we be talking about? We will be talking about the book of Amos. Yes, Amos is a minor prophet and you can find his book in the Old Testament. Also, Amos is a simple farmer who takes on a materialistic nation, the nation of Israel. Amos received the word from God and the word was for the nation of Israel. Now, let me give you a disclaimer. You may hear the same things over and over again, and that was done on purpose. Why? Well, sometimes we have to hear the same things several times before we get it into our spirit, before we are able to meditate upon it day and night according to the word of God. Now, of course, we're going to give some background information on the book of Amos before we jump into the chapters. So let's get this party started. Now, Amos, in the beginning, he reveals four important facts about himself. He was a herdsman, or we can call it a shepherd. He was a breeder of sheep. As a matter of fact, and we can also learn that among this is one of the poorest of all professions in that day and time. However, when the Bible or the scriptures use the words such as breeder, farmer and rancher, this indicates that Amos was a respected man in his community. Also, he was a gatherer of sycamore fig, which are wild figs that he would find in the fields as he herded his sheep. He lived in Tekoa, which is a village in the hill country of Judah. And we find out, or we may know, or if we don't know, we're finding out today that Judah is the southern kingdom of the people of God. Now, Amos, that's number one. Number two, Amos saw his, he saw his message. You know, a lot of times when we hear from God, we hear a word in the spirit or we hear the words of God speaking to us in our spirit or in our ears. Amos, he saw his word. In other words, he had a prophetic vision concerning the people of Israel, which is the northern kingdom. Now, Amos, he was a layman. He was without the official status of a prophet. In other words, he was not trained in any prophetic school. However, God called him and gave him a burden and a ministry. So that lets you know you don't have to have a degree or, or went to seminary school or, or uh, 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 having a, um, a master's in a seminary to be called by God. You don't even have to have a master's in a regular profession other than Christianity to be called by God. 
God calls whom he will. He gives a burden to whom he will to do his work. So we can take that away from Amos, the book of Amos as well, that God calls whom he will. You don't have to have a degree behind your name or in front of your name or whatever the case may be. You don't need all of that when God calls you. When God calls you, you just have to get up and do what he tells you to do. Now, number three out of the four, Amos ministry occurred when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam the second was king of Israel. Now, these were times of material prosperity and the long reign of the two kings brought stability, prosperity and expansion to both kingdoms. Now the southern kingdom subdued the Philistines, the Ammonites, and the Arab states. Jeroboam II extended the borders of the southern kingdom into our Aramanian territory and reclaimed Israel's land in the Transjordan, giving Israel control over the trade routes. Thus, the beginning of an accumulation of wealth took place in the cities. Now commerce thrived and an upper class emerged building expensive homes. My God from Zion. The rich enjoyed an, a lazy indulgent lifestyle while the poor became targets of legal and economic exploitation. Morality decreased and religion flourished. Even though they were idolatrous, they were steadfast that God was with them and considered themselves immune to disaster. My God, my God, does that not sound familiar to you today? Yes, I say, does it not sound familiar to you in this day and time in 2022? <laughs> Where the rich enjoy a lazy, indulgent lifestyle while the poor become targets of legal and economic exploitation? Come on now. Think about it. Think about what goes on in this world today. Is this not familiar to you? Morality has decreased and religion is flourishing. Yeah, morals. Nobody have morals anymore. I wouldn't say nobody. Let me rephrase that. Few people have morals today or live in a mindset of morality. And yes, we can see religion is flourishing. Religion is running rapid. I didn't say uh, Christianity or God-loving believers. I said religion. Religion is flourishing in this day and time. So this sounds very familiar to me. What about you? Hey, and even though Israel... Yeah, they were idolatrous, but they were steadfast that God was with them because, hey, we're God's people. We are the chosen ones. And they considered themselves immune to disaster. Well, guess what? Our fourth uh, standout here is Amos prophesied during the two years before the earthquake, which Zechariah also mentioned 
more than 200 years later, indicating it was a massive earthquake. Now, can you think or do you think that that earthquake was a movement of God? Let's find out. Let's continue to find out what happened in the book of Amos or what Amos began to prophesy to the people of God, the people of Israel. Now, when Amos prophesied to Israel, the nation was in its high tide of prosperity. Yes, everything was good. Everybody was rejoicing and having a good time. They were in their high tide of prosperity in territorial expansion. The territory was expanding. Political peace was going on and national, national, not just city to city. It was national prosperity during these times. But inwardly, it was brazen in idolatry and reeking in moral rottenness, just rotten. A land of swearing, stealing, injustice, oppression, robbery, adultery, and murder. Yes, we are talking about the people of God. This was going on in the days of Amos. Let me read that list to you again. A land of swearing, stealing, injustice, oppression, robbery, adultery, and murder. Does that not sound familiar to you today in 2022? What land are we living in? What words can you use for our land today? I just want to make a comparison of what happened in the time of Amos and compare it to what is happening in the world that we live in today. We're told that hypocrisy and idolatrous religion were popular. Yeah, they worship calves. They worship cows. They had Baal worship and Canaanite idolatry. Society extravagantly indulgent. That's the kind of society that they lived in. Immorality was rampant and a corrupt judicial system and the oppression of the poor was commonplace. Does this sound familiar to you? Hmm, hypocrisy? idolatry, extravagant, indulgent living, immorality, rampant, corrupt judicial system, and oppression of the poor. Yeah, and guess what adds on to that? And Amos was an outsider. My God from Zion, Amos was not even from the tribe of Israel. He was from Judah. But God gave him a message for the people of Israel. So on top of all of that, Amos was an outsider. So hmm, how would you accept or listen to an outsider when you're in your peak of prosperity and you believe 
that you are immune to disaster. And here, is, here comes this individual that is not even from your tribe, that is not even from your uh, kingdom, coming to tell you, thus said the Lord. What do you think about that? My God from Zion. Just thinking about it, it, it's getting good already. Now, let's break these down. What about modern day idolatry? What can we uh, liken idolatry to for us today? Well, let me give you some simple, very, very simple examples. I won't even go into uh, different religions. I won't even touch that because, you know, we are Christians. We believe that Jesus Christ died upon the cross for our sins. So what kind of things or, or actions that we can use for idolatry to bring it home so we can really understand what goes on in our lives today that is considered idolatry. What about our identities? What about how we value our identities? Say for instance, your social media following. I gotta have 10K followers. I gotta have 100K followers. I gotta have 200K followers. Hmm. Consider that our identity our social media following is very important to many. What about money? The pursuit of money and the acquisition of things. We, when I say we, I mean as a people in this day and time. We pursue money. And we, uh, uh, we pursue money so we can buy things. So we can buy cars and houses and, and things you put in your houses and just, just stuff. Idolatry. This is modern day idolatry. What about in entertainment, the entertainment uh, arena? A, a, an obsession with being entertained. An obsession with movies with games, with music, an obsession. We are obsessed. We just can't sit down in a peaceful environment and enjoy life as it is. We have to be entertained in some form or some fashion. What about sex? Yes, I said sex. Sexual identity. Is that modern-day idolatry? What about the practice of sex? And all that goes along with sex, it is sacred. It's considered sacred. Our sexual identity. Modern-day idolatry it is. Think about it. Think about everything that's wrapped around the word sex. And you will see the idolatry in it. Yes. What about cell phones? I can say enough said about that. We sit at our dining room table with our families to eat dinner. And everybody at the table is on their cell phone. 
Yeah, I remember a, a time when there was no cell phones. <laughs> Might be telling my age, but you didn't have a cell phone. So what would happen to this generation, this last generation, if they didn't have their cell phone? Do you think a cell phone is modern day idolatry? When you wake up in the morning, your alarm clock goes off. The first thing you do is pick up your cell phone. You walk around all day with your cell phone. Yeah, enough said about the cell phone. Modern day idolatry. That's what was going on back in Amos time. Idolatry. We're also told that there was a lot of hypocrisy. Hmm, what is modern day hypocrisy for us? Well, uh, one example that's, you know, very prevalent in today's world is how church leaders are being called out for their sins on a daily basis. Listen to what I say. Church leaders are being called out for their sins on a daily basis. Therefore, the conclusion is, if the head is sick, that means the leader, if the head is sick, excuse me, or sinful, rest assured that the body, which is the congregation, is sick and sinful as well. So if my head is sick, if I have a head cold, my head is sick, let me tell you, the rest of my body is not going to feel good either. The rest of my body is going to be feeling the effect or the effects of my head cold. So think about it as the church. If a church leader is sick in sin, the rest of the body, which is the congregation, it's going to feel that effect and no doubt there is some sin in the congregation. Hypocrisy. Modern day hypocrisy. These are the things that were going on in the days of Amos. Yes, many have the Lord Jesus Christ in their mouth, but they do not abide by his laws. They do not live according to the word of God. That's hypocrisy. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to move on to extravagantly indulgent. So, what does modern day extravagantly indulgent mean? Well, what about expensive houses? Buying expensive houses. Buying expensive furniture, buying expensive cars, going on expensive vacations. Hey, what about expensive chinaware, you know, or expensive weddings? One day you're paying thousands and some people millions of dollars for one day. And sadly to say, maybe five or ten years down the line, it was all for nothing. Because that's the way people live today. Expensive boats and things of that nature. Extravagantly indulgent. 
that was going on in the days of Amos. Can you see it today? Of course you can. What about immorality running rampant? Immorality is rampant. What about modern day? Violence. Do you recognize that we live in a violent world? What about sexual misconduct? Sexual abuse, rape, all of that. What about profanity? What about sacrilege? What about perversion? Just perverted. Just, just, people just enjoy uh, things that are perverted. Perverted movies, perverted music, just perversion everywhere. Immorality rampant. These are the things that were going on in the days of Amos. Can you see it here today? So I wonder what the Lord is wants us to know. What does he want us to glean from the book of Amos? Just like he gave me the book of Philippians, he gave me the book of Amos. So what can we gather from the book of Amos? I already see some things. I already recognize that we are living today just like the people were living in the days of Amos, my God from Zion. So there was a word given through Amos to the people of that day. Is the Lord telling us the same word? My God from Zion, we're going to find out. Now, what are some of the characteristics of an immoral person? Well, first of all, they are merciless. They have no mercy. They're dishonest. They're unfaithful. They're selfish. And they're corrupt. That's just to name a few characteristics of an immoral person. Does that sound familiar to you? Do you know anybody that's merciless? Have no mercy? Do you know anybody that's dishonest or unfaithful? Do you know anybody that's selfish? Do you know anybody that's corrupt? These are a few characteristics of an immoral person. Immorality running rampant in the world today. My God from Zion, we can go to 2 Timothy 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Let's read from the King James versions very quickly to see what the Bible is telling us here that correlates with what Amos was telling us or was speaking back then and what the word coming from the book of Amos is talking to us here today. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 7. This know also that in the last days perilous meaning dangerous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves yes for men shall be lovers of their own selves they're going to be covetous they're going to love money they're going to be boasters 
an empty pretender. They're going to be proud. They're going to be blasphemers, slanderous and abusive. They're going to be disobedient to parents. They're going to be unthankful and unholy, which is wicked. They're going to be without natural affection. They're going to be unsociable, inhuman and unloving. Truce breakers without a treaty or a covenant. They're going to be implacable, not wanting to come into agreement with anyone. They're going to be false accusers, incontinent, without self-control. They're going to be fierce, not tame. They're going to be despisers of those that are good. They're going to be traitors, betrayers. They're going to be heady, reckless, high-minded, lifted up with pride, lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God. This is what the Bible is telling us. And they're going to have a form and appearance of godliness, an appearance of respect towards God. It's, it's, It's a show but denying the power thereof. The Bible says from such turn away, avoid these people. Yes, that's what the Bible said. For of this sort, for this kind of person, are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with divers lust. They're going to be ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of true Christianity, the knowledge of true belief and love for God. So so the Bible is telling us in the last days, there are going to be perilous times. There are going to be dangerous times. And men are going to be lovers of them own selves. I'm going to read this again, but without the means. For men shall be lovers of them own selves. Can't you see that here today? They don't care about nobody else. It's all about me, 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 me. Lovers of them own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away from such avoid these type of people that's what Peter or I'm sorry that's what Timothy this is 2nd Timothy 3 verses 1 through 7 2nd Timothy or Timothy himself is telling us to avoid people like this now can we see a correlation between the people in Amos day and the people that Timothy spoke about that's going to be in the last days. 
Can't we see those people in today? Don't you know somebody that's high-minded? Don't you know somebody that's a false accuser? Mm -hmm. A slanderous person always slandering somebody's name? Don't you know somebody like that? Don't you know somebody that's a traitor? Always betraying their friends? Are reckless? Don't you know somebody like that? What about somebody that has a form of godliness? They act like they love God. But they deny the power thereof. Don't you know somebody that walks around pride? Prideful or proud? Boasters? Unthankful? Don't you know somebody like that? Of course you do. Just think about it. Yes, these same people that Amos talked about in his day and time are the same people that we deal with and see today. But listen, listen to my words. We do not want to be these people. We do not want to walk around unsociable and unloving. We don't want to walk around implacable without self-control. We don't walk, we don't want to walk around as a betrayer. We don't want to walk around reckless, lifted up in pride. We don't want to walk around like that, loving money, being a pretender, abusive unthankful, wicked. We don't want to walk around like that. So let it not be us. Let it not be us. Let's move on to the judicial system corruption. Come on now. Come on somebody. Help me out here. <laughs> Where money and influence can be the deciding factor of what is prioritized or what is dismissed. Come on now. Somebody better talk to me on this one. Money and influence is the deciding factor of what goes down in the courtroom. <laughs> or what goes on the docket, on the ballot. Money and influence. Somebody talk to me. Yeah, we are living in these times. Let me tell you something that I saw um, that was uh, written in 2020. Reuters put out an article with the title, Thousands of U.S. Judges Who Broke Laws or Oaths Remain on the Bench. Come on now, money and influence can be the deciding factor. Thousands, not one or two, but thousands of U.S. judges who broke the law or broke their oath or abiding in their office, no doubt because of money and influence, remained on the bench. In other words, they are the ones that are telling uh, we, the poor, or we, the people, 
uh, you going to jail or you're not going to jail? Or are you paying this fine or you're not paying this fine? Or this law is going to be passed or that law is not going to be passed. These are the people that decide uh, how our nation is run. Thousands of U.S. judges who broke laws or oaths, their oath of office, remain on the bench. Come on now, somebody. Are we not living in the same time as Amos? Is very familiar to me. Amos said judicial systems were corrupt in his time frame. What about in 2022? Do we see broken judicial systems or corrupt judicial systems? Of course we do. This is what the Lord is telling us. This is what the Lord is opening our eyes to. The book of Amos. What about oppression of the poor? There was a lot of oppression. Oppression of the poor was actually commonplace in Amos' day. What can we say to bring it home to us about oppression of the poor? Let's read a definition. This is when a society is controlled by a small percentage of very wealthy people. The wealthy deny opportunities to those who are poor. The poor work for almost no wages and struggle to achieve a basic human standard of living, such as having food and shelter. Have you seen this before? Of course you have. The poor are carefully controlled by their oppressors and are prevented from organizing or resisting the will of the wealthy. And you can find that in yourdictionary.com. That sounds pretty familiar to me. What about you? This is a society that is controlled by a small percentage of the very wealthy. And the wealthy deny opportunities to those who are poor. Yeah, I'm gonna leave that right there. I want it to marinate. I want you to meditate on that. Let me read that again. Oppression of the poor. This is when a society is controlled by a small percentage of the very wealthy and the wealthy deny opportunities to those who are poor. Yes, I'm going to leave that right there. Let you marinate on that. Meditate on it. Mutter it. Think about it. Yeah. These are the things that were going on in the days of Amos. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of this going on today. Not, not a lot, but everything that I've broken down, I see it happening in this world today. I see it happening in the year 2022. 
Now, there are five forces of oppression that I want to just bring out really quickly. And I'm going to just break down the very first one. There's exploitation. There's marginalization. There's powerlessness. There's cultural imperialism. And there is violence. Yes, I'm talking about oppression. But I want to break down exploitation. What is exploitation? Exploitation is to make profit from the labor of others. Not compensating them fairly. Do you know anybody that's being exploited? (laughs) Somebody else is making a profit off of your labor. You're not being compensated fairly. Can you raise your hand on that aspect? If you can raise your hand, guess what? You are being oppressed. You can put your name under the the heading that says oppression of the poor. You are being oppressed. Yes. These are the things that are talked about or that are dealt with in the book of Amos. Now, we must understand and we must be clear. Previously, God sent Elijah. He sent Elisha and he sent Jonah to prophesy to the people of Israel. But with no avail, Israel continued in idolatry and wickedness. Now, Amos and Hosea was sent as a final warning before their destruction. Yes, God sent many prophets to get his people on the right track. So in in, in other words, God is a loving God. He's a God of, of many mercies. So when we go astray, he's not going to strike us down right then. He gives us opportunity. He gives us chances. He gives us a time frame to get ourselves together to listen to the words, basically, that are coming out of his mouth through his prophets. (laughs) God has given us a, a chance or given us a time frame to turn from our wicked ways to repent. Repentance means turning from our wicked ways. That's all repentance means. You just turn and you go in another direction. You turn from bad and you go towards good, basically. In a very basic meaning. Breakdown. You turn away. You get off of that road going towards bad and you get on the road going towards good. Repentance. Depend. So God gave his people, Israel, many chances to repent, to turn away from their idolatry and oppression of the poor and their hypocrisy and, and their indulgent living. He gave them many chances, but they did not listen, as we're going to find out. Through the prophecy of Amos. Now after God called Amos. Amos went to Bethel. The residential home of King 
Jeroboam. Now remember, Amos lived in Judah, but God gave him a word for Israel. So that's just like saying, um, you live in New York, but God gives you a word for Texas. Or you live in California and God gave you a word for uh, Florida. Or say you live in the United States, but God gave you a word for India. Or you live in India and God gave you a word for Africa. This is what happened here in the book of Amos. God gave Amos a word for Israel and Amos was from Judah. Yeah, Amos was an outsider. Can you imagine? If God gave you a word for uh, Australia, would you pack up and go to Australia and preach that word? Or tell the Australian people what thus said the Lord? Well, guess what? Amos did exactly what God said. And listen, Amos was a sheep herder. Let's go back. Amos was at the lowest of the lows of professional uh, jobs, if you will. And these people, we talked about it, they were uh, uh, rich and living in big houses and, and well, they didn't have cars back then, but bringing it down to home, you know, living in big houses and driving these fancy extravagant cars. These are the people that Amos had to go talk to. You know, they were oppressing the poor. They were making the poor work so they can live in these big houses. And they were paying them pennies. So Amos had to go talk to these people. And guess what? Amos was a farmer. So, you know, he's a, you know, a, a hillbilly, if you will. Or he's a country bumpkin. I, I can use the word country bumpkin, bumpkin because I'm a country girl. And we that's what we call country people back in my day or in, when I was younger or we call them that today a country bumpkin Amos was a country bumpkin and he had to go to California and preach on Rodeo Drive yeah where the stars live if you can get that picture in your head a country bumpkin going to another country to preach Thus said the Lord to these people that live in lavish houses and wear lavish clothes and all they want to do is lie around and just enjoy life because they're wealthy. And this man had to go and preach thus said the Lord to these people. Can you imagine? <laughs> the Bible or, or the scripture tells us. After the call of God, Amos went right to Bethel. Amos went to the residential home of King Jeroboam II, the king of Israel. He went to the religious center where many worshipped. You know, it was crowded with worshipers. Can you picture it? Amos in his overalls going into this wealthy city, this wealthy place, you know, not familiar to him and all these people not knowing him and just looking at him and, you know, in his attire and there in, in their, you know, high-minded effects and 
just looking down upon him. But Amos went and did what thus said the Lord. He went to the religious center crowded with worshipers. The Israelites had plenty of religion on the inside of them. They were going to the shrines on a regular basis for worship. And they looked forward. Listen, they looked forward to the day of the Lord. When God will fulfill their expectations. These people were idolatrous people. They, they didn't worship God. They worshiped idols. But listen, they were prepared and they looked with expectation for the day of the Lord. Yes, they did. <laughs> Why? Because they were Israelites. What did we talk about previously? That they, they felt like they were immune to disaster because they were God's people. But listen here. Amos brought an unexpected bad news message to them from God. Yeah, they were not expecting what Amos had to say. Amos proclaimed God's message of justice, righteousness, and divine retribution for their sins. Yes, Amos did that in his overalls and all. If you can just imagine, I'm just bringing it down so we can get a clear picture of what was going on. Yeah, Amos did that. So what can we glean from that thus far? When God call you, you don't have to have a Ph.D. Uh, uh, you don't have to have doctor before your name. You don't have to have M.D.s and you don't have to have whatever degree there is on a thermometer, honey. You don't have to have a degree to be called and used by God. That's number one. Number two, when God calls you to do a thing, regardless of where he tells you to go, you get up and you do what God tells you to do or what he told you to do. Don't let no man hinder you. From doing what God tells you to do. Of course there's a way of going about doing it. But we're not talking about that at this point in time. We're talking about doing what God has to do. Because many of us. Uh, we have a problem with just doing it. Let alone doing it properly. We have a problem with doing it. And I'm one. I can raise my hand on that aspect. I had a problem with doing the will of God. I was disobedient. But let me tell you, I'm running for my life right now. I'm running for the Lord. Whatever the Lord, if the Lord tell me to pack up and go to Africa, you best believe I'm going to pack up and I'm going to go to Africa. Yes, yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. So those are two things thus far. Number three, the things that are the characteristics of the people's lives that were going on in the days of Amos are going on now today in the world that we live in. And I always want to say in 2022. So the word that God gave Amos to preach to the people in his time frame you best believe that that same word is going to hit home with us today. So we're going to be able to glean something from this word 
from the book of Amos. Yes, let's read a little bit more. The message God gave Amos was primarily one of judgment. God is going to judge his people. Yes, those that are living in hypocrisy. Those that are oppressing the poor. Those that live in extravagant lives. Yeah, God is going to judge his people. The message God gave Amos was primarily one of judgment. The Lord will come as a warrior to judge the nations that had rebelled against his authority. And Israel will be punished for her covenant violations against God. My God from Zion. Israel was going to be punished for her covenant violations. So what is a covenant? If they violated this covenant, what is a covenant? Well, it could be defined as an agreement between two. Agreement, a vow, a pact between two. But this covenant that Israel violated was an agreement between God and the Israelites. Oh my God from Zion. So they violated their agreement between them and God. In which God promised to protect them if they kept his law and were faithful to him. So the Israelites were in an agreement with God. So God promised if you I will I will protect you if you keep my law and if you be faithful to me, I'll protect you. Listen, I'll protect you if you keep my law and if you are faithful to me, I will protect you. So what happened? The Israelites, they violated the covenant. So, in other words, if they did something in violation of their agreement with God, that means God no longer has to protect them. Why? Because they didn't keep his law and they were not faithful to him. Well, they definitely didn't keep his law and they definitely were not faithful to him because uh, his law uh, tells us to, you know, we basically have to see about the poor. We are supposed to look after the poor. Well, what? They were exploiting the poor. They were uh, um, oppressing the poor. And being faithful to God, they were idol, idolatrous. They were worshiping idol gods. So they broke the covenant right there. So in other words, now God does not have to protect them. The covenant or the agreement is broken. Israel broke their agreement with God. So God is coming to judge them. Coming to tell them, you know, this is this and that is that. Or how should we say, um, it's going to go this way and it's not going to go that way. <laughs> God is coming to judge the people because they broke the covenant with him. The nations will be destroyed. However, a remnant will be saved. There's always somebody always 
there is always somebody that lives true for God. That is a true believer. Yeah, we see uh, uh, Christians falling by the wayside daily. But the Bible tells us in the last days that many are going to turn away from the faith. But listen, there is always a remnant that's going to stay true and faithful to God. And God says here in Amos time that that remnant shall be saved in the midst of all the destruction. There's going to be a remnant that will be saved. And this remnant will be restored to a covenant blessing. And through them, God will draw all nations to him. So in other words, that remnant is going to be become or get back into agreement with God or going to get back into a covenant relationship with God. And that's where we come in. He said they're going to be restored. And then God will draw all nations to him through that remnant. So that's why we today can say that we are Christians because somebody held on. Somebody didn't turn away from God. Somebody kept the law. Somebody was faithful back in the days of Amos. So we can say, I love Jesus right now today. Yes, these are the things that happened in the book of Amos. Now the purpose of the book Israel's prosperity only served to deepen her corruption. When Amos went to proclaim God's merciful message, repent or perish, basically. (laughs) That's what Amos' message was, repent or perish. The prophet was, listen, listen at this. What happened to Amos? You know, Amos was an outsider. He was, you know, he was a country bumpkin. And he's coming to us prideful people telling us to repent or perish. You don't even live here. Who are you to come and tell us that we better repent or we're going to perish? Well, guess what they did? They throw Amos out of the city and commanded him not to prophesy there again. But what did Amos do? Amos wanted to spread the message widely. Amos returned home and he put his message in writing. Amos wrote the book and he delivered his writing to the king. He wanted to spread his message about the certainty of God's approaching judgment and the on Israel and the surrounding nations unless they repented of their idolatry their immorality and their injustice yes this is the book of Amos this is what we're talking about talking about on today the book of Amos my God from Zion my God my God now the book of Amos is divided into three major parts or we can divide it into three major parts, if you will. First, Amos addresses his message of judgment to seven nations surrounding the land of Israel, including Judah. 
Yeah, Judah got in the mix as well. Judah was doing some things that were unpleasing to God as well. Now we, now we already mentioned that Judah is one kingdom and Israel is the other kingdom. So Judah got judged as well. Next, the three, there's, there are three bold messages to the people that Amos began to present. And the third major part is that Amos had five prophetic visions about God's approaching judgment. So we got the message of judgment to the seven nations surrounding Israel and Judah. And that, those messages included Israel and Judah. Then we had the three messages themselves to the people. And then we have the breakdown of the five prophetic visions about God's approaching judgment. So we can break down Amos into three major parts. And we will talk about that as we get into the chapters. Now, more than any other book of the Bible, Amos concentrated on injustice. He could have focused on the religious system centering around calf idols. Yeah, their idolatry. Amos could have focused on their idolatry, but he did not. He did not waste any of his breath on that. He focused on the facts that met his eyes and met his ears in every marketplace when he entered into the city. The oppression of the poor, dishonest business practices, bribery in the court system, and privileges bought with money. This is what Amos focused on because he saw it with his eyes and he heard it with his ears as he entered into every marketplace. The wealthy Israelites were getting their luxuries at the expense of the poor. They con congratulated themselves on their devotion to God with no sense that they had no relationship with God. Can you imagine? I'm going to pat myself on the on the shoulders because, you know, I go to the temple every day to give my homage. But listen, God don't even know you. Your relationship with God has been broken. The covenant has been broken. They wanted God to fit conveniently into their life as just an additive. My God from Zion. Does this not sound familiar? Does it not sound familiar today? Can you see it? Can you see these characteristics in our world today? Of course you can. Just we can use examples like movie stars, music stars, tech giants, social media influencers, and the like. Look at their lifestyles. Look at their possessions, their attitudes. Yes, now can you see it? Can you see the characteristics or the things that were going on in the days of Amos? Can you see it now today? Absolutely, we can see it. 
And like I said, don't let it be you. You best believe that I am doing whatever it takes for it not to be me. Do not let it be you. These are the things that we have learned thus far about the book of Amos. We haven't even got into the chapters to actually hear what Amos had to say to the people. But we can, by this overview, we can get an idea of what's going on in the book of Amos and what Amos has to say. Yes, there is a time of, hip, uh, of great prosperity. Uh, the people were uh, hypocrites and idolatrous. They lived extravagantly. They had no morals. They lived in a corrupt judicial system. And they oppressed the poor. Yeah. These are the highlighted things that were going on in the days that God spoke to Amos. God was like, I've sent all my prophets. I've sent Elijah. I've sent Elisha. I've sent Jonah. I'm going to send Amos and I'm going to send Hosea as the final warning before I come in and judge you. Does this not sound familiar to you today? We are talking about the book of Amos. Amos is a minor prophet. He is a farmer that had to go say, Thus said the Lord to a materialistic nation that was not even his nation. Amos was an outsider. And he had to speak the word of God to a people that did not listen to him. Yes, we're talking about the book of Amos. Yes, thanks again for listening to Sister Alicat's Tea. Well, we talk about all things church related. We are talking about the book of Amos. It is very interesting thus far. We can correlate the things that are happening in the book of Amos to what we see in today's world. Think about it. Listen to this podcast again and think about the things that we have discussed in this podcast so you can uh, meditate on what we've talked about. Meditate so you can get it in your mind and think about it. Do you see these things happening in the world today? So if they're happening in the world today, if God sent Amos to judge the people, what do you think about us? Do you think he's going to continue to let us go on and on? Or do you, gonna, or do you think he's going to send somebody to judge us? Or maybe because he gave me the book of Amos, maybe he's judging us now or telling us, listen, I am about to judge my people. I am about to come and judge you. So I want you to read this book so you can get yourself right. You can get yourself together. You can turn from your wicked ways. Repent of your sins. Because if you repent, I will forgive you. 
that we may be a remnant in today's world that survives the judgment of God. <laughs> and once again, I thank you for listening to Sister Allie Cast T, where we talk about things or all things church related. And guess what? I will talk to you soon. Love you guys. Bye bye.